When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, one of the things that we find ourselves doing in the aquarium hobby is using a little of this, a little of that in our tanks because, well, we seem to be fixated on lots of variety of stuff, different things in our tanks, whether it's fish, plants, rocks, whatever. I mean, there's nothing wrong with using a diversity of materials in our aquariums to express our creativity. And let's be honest, I do own a company that sells a lot of different types of natural aquascaping materials. However, I think it's important to consider exactly what it is we're trying to accomplish in our tanks when we select and employ, in our case, botanical materials, like the number of botanical materials we use and stuff like that. And you're like, what? What are you talking about? Well, as we talked about a lot around here, the idea of using natural materials like wood, leaves, seed pods, and roots, is a faithful representation of many of the wild habitats that we obsess over. And more important, it's a functional methodology of fostering natural processes and a healthy ecology in our aquariums. I could beat you over the head with this every day, and I think a lot of you are getting this. Now, ask yourself, are you simply trying to add some aquascaping interest to your tank? Are you interested in manipulating the aquarium water chemistry? Perhaps you're attempting to replicate a very specific ecological niche setting up a system for breeding fishes or rearing their fries. There are all kinds of thing that you, things that you can do with botanicals. There's many, many applications for botanicals in aquariums. In fact, a wide you know, range of things that you could do with them and an even wider range of botanicals to do the job. And the most important job for botanicals in our aquariums, in my opinion, is to foster the ecology of the aquarium, the so-called microbiome. And the important thing to know in the context that we're talking about is that you don't have to use 25 different botanicals and leaves in your aquarium to achieve this ecology within your tank. The reality is that organisms like fungal growth, bacteria, paramecium, and other microfauna are typically not tied to a specific leaf or seed pot. So not having a huge variety or excluding some things doesn't mean that you won't be able to achieve a significant microbiome within your tank. So... From a biodiversity or ecological standpoint, there's no reason why you would need a huge variety of botanicals in a given you know, aquarium. It really boils down to aesthetics, or if you're trying to be more biotopically accurate, it depends upon the variety of materials that you'd expect to find in the habitat that you're interested in replicating in your tank. So for example, a flooded forest might have a lot more uh, in both density and variety, a lot more leaves and seed pods than say a fast flowing river, stream, or small oxbow lake. Other locales might simply have a lot of just a few materials, like branches and maybe a few leaves, but minimal amounts of seed pods and other materials. Maybe you're not trying to replicate any specific habitat at all. Perhaps it's simply, I don't know, a creative expression that you're trying to do with botanicals, and that's fine. You can use as many or as little as you want, and you'll still get the functional aspects if you don't edit them. How your botanical aquarium looks, and to a lesser extent functions, is dependent upon these types of characteristics. 
Yet it's really a matter of what works best for the aquarium that you're trying to create. The power of restraint is a very important factor when playing with botanicals. Now again, with all the cool botanical materials available to hobbyists here and elsewhere, it's certainly fun to use you know, a large variety of different stuff in your tank. I personally have always been of the opinion, however, that too much variety in a given tank is sort of, I don't know, distracting and it just somehow doesn't always look good. I mean, it certainly can, it just doesn't always. Somehow using a little less variety in a given tank seems to look just a bit better in my humble opinion. However, as we've mentioned already, if you're replicating a specific habitat that might have a wide variety of materials in a given small locale, it makes perfect sense, right? And then there's the benefit of a field of botanicals, not only cultivating the microbial and fungal food sources for fishes, there's actually the direct consumption of the botanicals or the constituent materials by the fishes. Yeah, direct consumption of botanicals by fishes is something that we haven't really talked a lot all that much here over the years. And it's long been known that many species of fishes, particularly uh, Panaquilus and some Hypostomus and Coquiladon, love botanical stuff. These catfishes are equipped with teeth that are specifically designed to gouge wood. And there's probably another odd one or two that consume it as well. Now, you should be aware that wood eaters don't actually consume the wood per se. They consume it as a byproduct of their overall feeding strategy. In fact, some recent scientific studies have corroborated digestive enzyme activity profiles and gastrointestinal fermentation levels in the fish's GI tracts, which suggests that the so-called wood-eating catfishes are not true xylophores like beavers and termites, but rather are detritivores like so many other fishes from the family Loricaridae. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? In fact, the conclusion in one study uh, that I read indicated that the fish's whole digestive strategy ranging from intake to passage rate to digestive enzyme activities, gastrointestinal fermentation, and decreasing surface area in the distal intestine suggests that these fishes are geared for the digestion and assimilation of soluble components of their detrital diet. Soluble components. However, uh, the wood-eating catfishes do take macroscopic detritus, like woody debris, and reduce it to very small you know, sizes, which likely has significant consequences for carbon cycling in their environment. Now, given that much of the Amazonian basin is really unstudied, and much of it's under threat of deforestation, uh, the wood-eating catfishes might actually play a crucial role in the dynamics of the you know, Amazonian ecosystem and certainly in the reduction of coarse woody debris. It's kind of an interesting concept when you think about it. It's interesting, right? And it has some implications for how we keep these fishes in our botanical-style aquariums, doesn't it? I mean, we have no shortage of pics of your plecos you know, tearing into various botanicals, ranging from leaves to seed pods, like the Calotropus pods, the Carinana pods, etc., etc. So... Based on that study I just mentioned, it would suggest that at least part of the pods do form part of the diet for these fishes. And in the process of consuming them, the fishes are helping enrich their own aquatic habitat. Now, the botanicals themselves may not be the whole meal for many fishes, but the biofilms, the algal threads, and the other you know, bio cover which grows on them do provide foraging for a lot of different species. A number of us have noticed you know, a wide ranging variety of fishes from barbs to kerosens to cichlids, you know, feeding actively on these materials, uh, which are recruited by submerged botanicals. This is nothing new. This is, you know, botanicals 101, right? But this type of activity 
has led me to postulate that the use of botanicals can perform a you know, definite feeding support function for a wide variety of fishes. So I suppose one advantage of a variety of botanical materials in, in a single tank is that it increases your chances of having something palatable to somebody in the tank. Now, if you followed us for any length of time, you're well aware that we're not just pushing you to play with natural botanical style aquariums only for the pretty looks. I mean, yeah, they do look awesome and the aesthetics are cool, but there's so much more to them than that. We're almost as obsessed with the function of these aquariums and the, you know, and the wild habitats that they attempt to represent as we are with the look. Understanding why you're choosing to throw botanicals in your aquarium is as important as it is to understand how to employ them. Again, I'm going to admonish you what we've done a million times here. Regardless of how you employ the botanicals that you use, I can't stress enough the need to go slowly. There's no need to rush and dump everything in all at one time or in huge quantities, particularly in an established aquarium where your animals are used to a certain stable range of parameters. It goes without saying that if you introduce materials which can influence the water chemistry and the quality, you'll need to go slowly and exercise common sense. And since botanicals are actively breaking down in your aquarium over their service lifetimes, it's kind of important to employ good husbandry techniques like monitoring water uh, quality, doing water exchanges, regular filter media changes, etc. Just remind yourself that the botanicals create a dynamic environment and that you'll enjoy using them that much more when you understand that. Apart from which pods should I use for, you know, whatever type of aquarium, the most common question that I receive is do I need to do I leave my pods in or let them break down in my tank? And of course, my simple rather unsatisfying answer is it's your call. It's as much about your aesthetic preferences as it is about long-term ecological stability of the aquarium. It's a decision that each one of us makes based on our tastes and our management style and how much of a mental shift that we've made to accept this transient nature of a botanical-style aquarium and its function. There really is no right or wrong answer here. It's all about how much you enjoy what happens naturally versus what you choose to control in your tank. I tend to favor nature, like every time. It's not even close, but that's just me. And of course, we can't ever lose sight of the fact that we're creating and adding to a closed aquatic ecosystem, and that our actions and how we manage our tanks have to map to our ambitions, our tastes, and the regulations that nature imposes upon us. Yeah, anything that you add to your aquarium that begins to break down is bioload. Everything that imparts proteins, lignans, tannins, organics, etc. into the water is something that you need to consider. However, it's always been my personal experience and my opinion that in an otherwise well-managed system with regular attention to husbandry, stocking, and maintenance that the burden of botanicals on your water quality is surprisingly insignificant. Even in the test systems which I intentionally neglected by conducting very sporadic water changes, uh, once it hit my preferred population of botanicals by building them up gradually, I've never noticed any significant phosphate, nitrate, or other nutrient increases that could be attributed to their presence. I just haven't. So once and for all, is adding a whole bunch of botanicals to your aquarium dangerous? I mean, it could be in some instances, right? Like adding large quantities of fresh botanicals to an established stable tank all at once is a recipe for problems, but that's aquarium keeping 101, right? Like what would you expect that would happen? Why would you even do that? It's about common sense. The reality is, adding botanicals to your tank and using them, replacing them regularly, etc., etc., is no more dangerous than anything else we do as aquarists. 
You simply need to go slowly, apply common sense, follow our prep instructions that we discussed, and observe your tank carefully. There's nothing new here. Look, stuff still can occasionally go wrong, even when you follow instructions and employ common sense. So never lose sight of the fact that aquariums are closed natural ecosystems and changing the delicate ecological balance within them always risks disrupting established biological processes and that it can have consequences for your fishes. But you already know that. It's a reality of nature and a reminder that although we can control some things, mother nature calls the shots. So the power of, I don't know, chilling out, the ability to exercise restraint, to not go crazy adding a ton of stuff all at once or, or even a ton of stuff in general, is a huge and very, very important skill for everybody who plays with botanicals to acquire. And I'll bet you already have. Stay creative, stay curious, stay excited, stay restrained, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Fellman from Tin and Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tin.